You can get it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? Welcome into Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the Big Dog, Rick Watson. It's hour number two, 639-4900. You can uh, call us up there on the Baker Team Hotline. Text is 744-2990. Andy Bitter, 735. Dwight Vick, 835. Jamie writes in. He's a longtime listener. He says, first time I've reached out, love the show. Thanks, Jamie. First of all, thank you so much for that. Appreciate it. He goes... Long term, do you believe Mike Young will be the answer for Virginia Tech to get them back as an ACC champion? Fair question. Um, yeah, I, look, I know when things are going badly, the, the coach, and in many cases, rightfully so, are always are going to be the ones who are, have the, the fingers pointed at them, and I completely understand. I get it. I I still think Mike Young is a terrific coach. I think it's just a matter of trying to – I think Wayne had it right. you got to adjust to staff changes. You've got to get better talent in there. They've got to recruit better. But, again, nobody knows that more than him. So, yeah, I, I do think he's okay as the head coach. I don't think there's any kind of like, oh, let's get a new coach in here. No, I don't, I don't believe that. I think Mike Young understands. You heard his presser. I mean, he – he gets what's going on. You know, they've got to fix the turnovers. Now, if they don't fix certain things and it keeps on happening again and again, he'll he'll be the first to tell you, I gotta take a look at me. You know, that's the kind of guy that he is. Now, I was really, really close with his dad, Bob Young, God rest his soul. I mean, really close with uh, his dad. I never knew Mike. At that point, he's already, you know, coaching at Wofford and he wasn't around. I saw him with time to time. Um, that's the first he heard about me was through his dad, you know. And, yeah, I, I really like him. I think he's a great guy. He's been on the show many times. So, I don't, you know, so maybe there is a little bit of a bias there, but I, I think he's going to be okay. I think, I think it's just a matter of fixing some of these things. And we'll see going forward. 
one of the best things about sports that's true that people don't pay enough attention to when you start talking about all these things is and who was it? Was it? I want to say uh, I think it was Bill Parcells. Yeah, it was Bill Parcells. You are exactly what your record says you are. And there's really no debate. You can talk about how you got to that record, wins and losses. But what is your record? Let's go directly to the Virginia Tech football season. They were the epitome of a 6-6 six and six team heading into the hideous bowl season, right? Had the very bad start, got a little better in the middle, was very good at the end. Six and six, right? They are, or they were exactly what their record told them they were, right? Same thing. Same thing. If if you have a certain record in, in hoops, that's who you are. That's who Tech is right now. They're a two of four ACC team. And they can't win on the road. O for on the road. That's who they are. Now it's a matter of going out and fixing it. No height equals few wins, text message came in. Yeah, they don't have, you're right. There's no abundance of size. Look, all your observations, you are the smartest listening audience in radio. And Jimmy, I really do appreciate you reaching out. Thanks for listening. Please text more. Especially tomorrow, you know, when it's the all-request Friday. I mean, come on. But you understand, you see the things that are happening. But I, I don't think that there needs to be a sweeping change from the head coaching perspective. No, I don't. I don't, I don't. Mike, Mike Young has a handle on what's going on. He just can't fix it yet. Now, Couture's concussion, I think it's pretty clear that is the integral part of this team, right? Not only is he, and I still think he is your best shooter. I know Padula has been shooting the ball really well, but I think Hunter is one of the premier shooters in the country, not just at Virginia Tech or the ACC. And I know he is the best defender Virginia Tech has had in a long time, and credit to him. So when he's not there, it's a you're feeling it's double barrels, man. You're feeling it on both ends of the floor. And again, these aren't excuses; these are just observations. I mean, everybody wants to say, "Oh, you're making an excuse." Nobody's done that, but I'm just saying. No, these are just observations. Um, we'll see how they recover in Raleigh. I feel like this team is capable of just cleaning up these turnovers almost at any game. It feels like they should be able to do that, right? Easier said than done. And look, I take my cues too about one of the the best post-game interviews I have is with Darius Nichols, Radford's head coach, after a loss because he's very, it's very raw and very honest in, in the things that he talks about, like last night, for instance. They came out, they being Gardner-Webb, and absolutely throttled us early. How did, he goes, Rick, he looked at me, he goes, Rick, how in the world do you fall behind by 18 on your home floor? Right? He goes, where does that come from within this team? I have to figure out where that came from within this team. 
You know, you get a very honest assessment. We have guys that are, what did he say? And this is, and this is what you like. This is the guy who put this team together. He said something along the lines, we have a lot of individuals on this roster, but they've forgotten what it's like to be a team. And, man, I think that is a hell of a statement. And that's probably the most true statement that you can have in team sports, right? You can have all these individual guys, but are you a team? Do you stay together when it's hard? Are you getting to the point to where it's always his fault, always somebody else's fault? I don't sense that's the case in Blacksburg at all, and that's why I think the comments from Sean Padula were very encouraging. He was almost just kind of ripping himself a little bit. Hey, anybody want the basketball? Here it is. I don't want it. <laughs> so I think they're going to fix the turnover issue. And, and I think, again, NC State, yeah, they're playing well, but it's, it's a game that Tech can go out and keep themselves in it early by protecting the ball, shooting well, and then maybe getting a big road win. That, that would do this team a huge, huge amount of favors if they could just get a big road win and all of a sudden you can kind of go okay there we go that's who we're supposed to be that's what it's supposed to look like let's go out every day and practice and that's the one thing Darius always reminds me about Darius always reminds me about that he says we're not thinking about the next opponent after a loss especially how do we come practice tomorrow How do we come out with a mindset? And it's not just about tomorrow. How do we handle tonight? How did we handle a week ago getting our minds and bodies ready? How did we approach going to class? How do we approach getting up in the morning and doing all the things that we have done? Did that lead up to this performance? That's what he was talking about last night in the postgame. I thought it was very interesting. How so much goes into it. You know, for us, as fans and myself who covers the game, it, we see it, and, and yeah, we think we're around it and we understand what goes on, but we're not inside the circle day-to-day, hour-by-hour. So these coaches have a terrific, a terrific vibe on what's going on, and I believe Mike Young has um, an absolute 100% understanding of what's going on with his team. And that's when I think coaches, when you start to get a feeling, and I don't care who it is, right, when you see coaches and you can kind of tell they don't know what's happened to their team or they can't identify the problems within the team, then I think that's when you know a coach has kind of lost control of the program. And that's not the case at all at, at Radford or Tech. I don't see that at all. It, it, fixing is not easy, but there's a complete understanding and a complete plan that has to be executed to have success. So it's a long-winded answer, Jamie. I'm sorry, but it did get me thinking about it here as I build upon point after point so uh, just again the short answer no I don't I don't believe there needs to be any thought process involving you know Mike Young whether or not he's the right guy I know he's the right guy it's just can they fix it can they fix it 
But it is a helpless feeling. I mean, you're sitting there last night and, and watching Gardner-Webb just shoot 64% in the first half, and you're like, this is the worst shooting team in the conference. They were. They were ninth in the Big South in field goal percentage. At halftime, they're shooting over 60%, and you're just like, what? Wait a minute. Huh? Right? And, you know, there aren't any easy answers. So you can imagine how coaches feel when they see these things happening. Got to be a helpless vibe, right? Warren writes in. Hey, Warren. I don't know if you've texted before. Rick, I... (laughs) Here we go. Rick, I hate the cold. He's just taking us in a different direction. Hate it. Hate it. Fix it. Love the show. Thanks, Warren. (laughs) Warren, I can't. If I could, I would. I would would fix it. I I hate it. Absolutely. Had all these people coming up to me last night at the game, you know, listen to the show, know how I feel about snow. Yeah, oh, here they are like, hey, I almost brought you a snowman in here to sit on the uh, the, the uh, table. He goes, I bet people are like, it's good natured. It's fun. I'm not I'm not mean. It's not mean. It's like, hey, you're enjoying this weather. You go out and make snow angels. Those are the kind of comments I'm getting from peeps that listen to the show at the game last night. Not funny. <laughs> not funny. It's sad, Warren, when you wake up and you see, and I get up, you know, about 4 a.m., and I look at the the first thing I always look at is the weather to see what the temperature is like, and I see that it was double digits this morning, and I'm actually fist pumping. Yeah! All right! It's 11! Now we're up to 17. Woohoo! I wish I wish I had that superpower worn, but I do not. I do not. Can't stand it been sleeping in my beanie because when my head I don't know about you but when my head gets cold that's when I'm done like if my head gets cold and my ears and then I'm just I'm cold the rest of the day so you put the old beanie cap on and just sleep it was a they had sleeping caps back in the day right you saw all these old you know whether it was cartoons or drawings or images of Heck, yeah, you go back to Santa Claus, right? He's always got a, a, a sleeping cap on that looks like a toboggan. So I started thinking the other night when it was getting cold, I said, why don't I just sleep in a beanie? Why have I not thought of this before? In the last two nights, even though it's been frigid, I've, I've slept very comfortably because my, my head is warm. <laughs> Can't stand it when my head gets cold. When that happens, ugh. That in the ends of your toes. Boy, when your toes get cold like that, no, not at all. No chance. Don't want it. Don't like it. Wayne says Rick turns on the snow machine at night. Well, that's not true. No, he cannot because the snow machine belongs to me. Hey, everybody, it's Leo <laughs> Spurner. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back. Andy Bitter in about 15 minutes. Where the hell's he been? Oh, that's right. He was in Hawaii where none of this matters because it's 80 degrees and beautiful. And he was sick. Glad he's better. We'll see what he's starting to plan and what he's looking at. 
Tech football off-season coverage. Dwight Vick as well. We'll be back. Stay with us. Better coming up in about eight minutes than uh, Dwight Vick. Hope you're doing well, wherever you might be. Get into some uh, tech football talk with Andy. I think, yeah, this is his first appearance of the new year, right? Since we switched over the calendar, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. 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 Not a good night on the hardwood for the men. Radford women go to 4-0 in the conference. They're playing well in the Big South. They won at Gardner-Webb. Because, you know, the Big South has the women play the same night just in the opposite venue as the men so they don't get any kind of recognition. <sighs> Tech women, chance to uh, get back on the winning track. Feels like they will, right? They go to Duke tonight. What is that game on? Is that a ACC network game? Let me look. Yes, there you go. Tonight at 8, Tech against Duke. There. So you get to watch the ladies go out and hang out. Duke has won its last two. They beat uh, UVA by four on the road, and then they beat Georgia Tech. So, Kenny Brooks squad looking to get back on the winning side of things. I don't know why. I just feel like they're going to play really well tonight at Duke. I really do. <laughs> yeah, there it is from Wayne. <laughs> Whenever you hear a CCR song, especially Fortunate Son, cue Vietnam War scene. And it's usually when you have the guys in the helicopter, you know, they're getting ready, they're getting their weapons loaded, they're making sure their gear's in check, or their attire they have on, and they're just looking at each other. Maybe they're putting some of that war paint on their face. No actual conversation, just silent acknowledgement that, yeah, yeah, we're badasses. <laughs> Meanwhile, fortunate son is... <laughs> going on in the background. <laughs> Every Vietnam movie, there's a CCR song. Everyone. At least one. At least one. Andy Bitter scheduled to join us here when we come back on a, a very uh, frigid once again morning where you're at 17 degrees outside of our studios here in Fairlawn. 17. 
No. I say no. We'll catch up with Andy after this as we move along halfway home on what is today? It's Thursday. We'll be back. Five minutes for the top of the hour as we motor along on a Thursday. Tons of uh, text messages flying in. Tech Hoops, 744-2990. Joining us now on the program, the senior staff writer, lead football beat writer for the Tech Sideline, Andy Bitter joins us for the first time here in 2024. Good to talk to you, A.B. How are you, man? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Doing okay. And, uh, man, you had a great vacation, huh, out in Hawaii. Good stuff. Yeah, went to Hawaii, hit L.A. on the way out there. Uh, hadn't been to L.A. in 25 years. I've never been to Hawaii, so uh, pretty fun deal. My my dad was turning 80, so the whole family went out there and surprised oh. us. So it was a fun fun family trip, first time for a lot of things. And uh, it did all of Hawaii, like Pearl Harbor, whale watching. Oh, so cool. Uh, everything you could do out there. Oh, oh tell me about the whale watching. How would that work? Because I've always wanted to do that, man. I'm so envious right now. Well, they take you out in a boat in, like, this, like, harbor area yeah. where there are a lot of whales. And they're like, well, hopefully we'll see some whales. Like, before they could even finish the first sentence, like, you could see some tails, like, coming out <laughs> of the water in the distance. So it was actually a pretty good time. We got, got a few of them where they, they came, the whale tails got completely out of the water uh, a couple times in a row there. So it was really cool. It was, like, a two-and-a-half-hour uh, deal out there on, on the in the harbor and uh, a fun time. Oh, that's awesome. And to share that with your dad too. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, it was cool. All right. So here we are now uh, in the quote dead time, but uh, you had a good piece about, you know, here we are with a new semester starting and uh, there's 14 new football players right now in Blacksburg, right? Yeah, there's a lot of that. It's 16 actually. 16? We had a couple of preferred walk-ons, uh, 14 scholarship players, but it, that's a large group. Uh, you know, you're typically going to get that when you have a bunch of transfers. You know, five of those guys are are transfers coming in at the mid year, but you know this uh, staff has been very aggressive in getting you know true freshmen to enroll early too. Nine of them uh, this year would have been ten. Davy Belfour uh, has to finish up some English classes to, to graduate to high school um, on time. Uh, so he's not going to be able to get here early. So he's going to miss the, the the early spring practice that he, he would have gotten otherwise. But, uh, you know, nine in here, I don't know if that necessarily means any of those guys are going to play early or anything like that. But, you know, getting them in here, getting the terminology, getting in the weight room, it, it's always a good thing that, to get here uh, with a quick start. Yeah, and those high school guys, you know, giving up, you know, that's what Bill Roth was talking about yesterday. I mean, you're giving up prom opportunities, right, to come here and start getting in the program. That's a, It's a very good sign. It tells you about that culture that we've talked about a lot that's here now in Blacksburg. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would have done that. I know. If I was in high school. Because that last semester is like the best time of high school that you have, right? Like you, you're sort of coasting. <clears throat> you're kind of on that senior ride there. Uh, you know, you mentioned prom. It's like the weather gets nice. You're enjoying yourself out there. But 
Yeah, I don't know. This is the thing for a lot of guys now to get that, uh, you know, a jump of their college careers like that. Again, I don't know if that necessarily translates to early playing time. I think you look historically, uh, some of the guys that made the biggest impact as true freshmen haven't been early enrollees. It really comes down to, you know, whether they're, you know, mature enough to handle the situation or, or opportunity. If that's, uh, you know, even arising, you know, you need to have the right spot for a, a true freshman to really get on the field here with the type of players that Virginia Tech recruits. So uh, I don't know if it necessarily translates to early playing time, but, you know, a lot of these guys still like to get there early and, and get into college. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, a lot of people might think, well, they're doing this because, hey, we can get on the field, but maybe it's just a, a personal recognition. But to make that sacrifice is something I know that. Brent Pry appreciates, right, because it's sending him a message as well. That, Like you said, I mean, I'm just a normal high school kid, but I, I, can't, I can't imagine giving up those final three or four months, given, you know, that's your last time in that part of your life. But here these guys are doing it, and um, it, it's going to help them a lot, I think, going into the fall. Well, it's a pretty good situation they're walking into, too. And they have, like, the, the brand-new dorms that the, the athletes are, are part of over there, and, you know, they're into the student – uh, performance center where they get food whenever they want it over at that place. So I guess it's a pretty good deal that they're going to. It's not like they're going entering boot camp or anything like that. Andy Bitter joining us on the program. Of course, uh, senior writer for the Tech Sideline folks. Uh, I always like to look at the text message. I usually accumulate several for you. And uh, one of the things they wanted me to ask several people, five or six different people about, can you ask Andy to assess his opinion about the quarterback situation behind Kyron Drones. What is your confidence level? I mean, I know it's a hard question to ask because we haven't seen those guys necessarily in the line of fire with Grant Wells leaving, but what, what's your vibe, what's your feeling about the, the guys lining up behind Kyron heading into 2024? Yeah, I think it, it leaves you with a little bit cause for concern there. Um, you know, none of them have played all that much. Uh, just mostly garbage time uh, in some of those blowouts at the end of last season, um, you know, that's an extremely young group. There's no sort of like steady guy who's been through some battles before that, uh, you know, if Kyron went down or anything like that last year, you still had Grant Wells who could go in and, and guide the ship. And you felt fairly comfortable uh, about that for a couple series out there. But, you know, the way Kyron plays where he's going to lower his shoulder and run into guys. I mean, the, you wouldn't be surprised if he had missed a series or two <laughs> next year mm-hmm. uh, just with his style of play. I mean, that's just the way he's going to do. He's going to take some hits, going to dole out some hits, but you do get nicked up when you do stuff like that. And, you know, heaven forbid a long-term injury, something like that, where's this team going to be? So uh, I think they're actually – they offered an FCS quarterback, I think, or at mm-hmm. least looking – at an FCS quarterback out there, I think maybe some insurance behind drones could be something that they could uh, could look at this offseason. But, yeah, I, I think if you're a coach and your backups are second-year players uh, who have really not gotten on the field, I think it does make you look at it and go, hey, what are we doing in the emergency situation here? Another question that was asked right after the quarterbacks, and again, uh, it, it's probably, and I tried to tell these folks, well, there's no way Andy's going to know that, but he can give his opinion. I mean, how many guys are you looking potentially to leave the program? We saw some attrition, obviously, last year, and maybe that's what they're working on now, having those tough conversations, as Coach Price said it last year. 
Yeah, I think right now there's still five over. I think that's the number. I haven't looked at my scholarship chart uh, lately. Okay. Uh, but with with everybody that's going to come in in the summer, I think they're at like 90 right now. So they still got to shed five just to get to that 85 number and then more if they want to add anybody else at this point. Uh, you know, they'll hit number. That always happens. The yeah. numbers always work out right. in this situation. And I'm sure there are some guys, you know, the new semester started – uh, once you put your name in, it takes 48 hours for it to clear the transfer portal anyway. Or or you get through spring ball. I mean, they, they're, the numbers are fine to get through spring ball, and then some guys could maybe see, hey, I'm probably not going to play as much as I think uh, now that you see the depth chart in spring ball. So there will be more attrition and more guys looking for other opportunities, and you know they'll have those conversations with those guys. I mean, it's not a great deal. Uh, I mean, these guys are sort of being processed out of programs like that, but this is the reality of college football these days. That's kind of what you have to do to be a competitive program. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, as much as the guys have loved the opportunity to get to come and go, if they want to leave, they can go somewhere. The other side of it is that the coaches now have that right too, right? I mean, you're right. That's, I don't think enough people look at it that way. Because of the environment, you have to have it. You have to have that door swing. It has to be a turnstile at this point. Yeah, and that, that's the way they set this up, where, you know, you sign 25 guys a year. It's like, okay, over four years, that's 100 guys, but there's an 85 scholarship limit. So it's built in for attrition to happen at these programs. And, uh, you know, Pride doesn't have this at his disposal anymore. He used to have that head coach, new head coach rule where he could forcibly remove somebody from the roster mm-hmm. if he needed to. Uh, he doesn't have that anymore. He's past that window. So... The conversations have to be a little bit more two-way than it was before, just more direct about, hey, we're just going to take your scholarship if you don't end up transferring somewhere, which, you know, is kind of the ugly side of this whole thing. But you know, I think they're they're better at, uh, you know, uh, smooth-talking that and uh, making it a little bit easier of a decision for these guys and make it feel like their decision to leave when, when in actuality it might not be the case. Right, right. And one more from our listeners for you. Um, can you ask Andy about uh, his observation? What biggest improvement did you see in Brent Pry and his staff from year one to year two? Good question. Good question. I think it, for Pry specifically, it was just a general, like, overall handling of the game. I mean, think of last year when he was calling defensive plays. And it felt like at times he was a little too focused on that and not sort of the the big picture game management type decisions. Mm. It felt like there was a greater understanding of their handling of the game situation this year where, uh, you know, a couple trick plays they call on special teams out of nowhere. You know, they did that last year at Liberty after he had handed over play calling duties where it was like it was the right time. They called a great trick play on a fake field goal and got a first down and, uh, I can't remember if they ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive or, or kicked the field goal anyway, but the, you know it was the perfect timing for that. There were a couple of plays this year where it was like that. It just felt like he was more engaged with the entire game on the sideline than specifically, you know, what are they calling on third and two? And that's what you need from a head coach. That's what you have to do. And it's it's tough for those defensive play callers to have to give up those duties, especially you know early in the year when uh, you know they're making mistakes 
on defense and, and plays are busted for 70 yards. You feel like, oh, I have to go over there and fix that myself instead of letting the defensive coaches figure it out and find out the things that were wrong and, and you know patch up those holes. So overall, I think there's just a better understanding of being a head coach and being out there on the sideline and understanding what the entire team needed uh, versus just what the defense needed in certain situations. The senior staff writer and lead football writer for ex-sideline Andy Bitter joining us. And you had a fun project from your listeners. I saw that in the mailbag. They were asking you to rank this group, 2023 team. What was it? All the way back to uh, from 2015, right? Where this team stacks up. Yeah, I ranked the team and, and how it did year by year. And it, like, it's slim pickings when you go back and then look at it. Yeah. Like, 2016, obviously, you know, a team that wins 10 games. Uh, I think I put 2019 second because uh, that was a team that just felt like it had so much forward momentum. I really thought that team should have won the Coastal Division, the one that they switched to Hand and Hooker early in the season. Win six or seven, their only loss was Notre Dame for that stretch there, a game they, they could have won. Mm-hmm. They were playing with Quincy Patterson, a quarterback who, who wasn't really doing all that much in the passing game, if not for a, a, you know, a touchdown run late in the, in the game by there was Ian Book, uh, ran for that touchdown. They would have won that game. Uh, as well, and they gave away all that goodwill at the end of the season with, with losses to Virginia and Kentucky. But still, it felt like uh, that was a turning point season for the program. And then, you know, COVID and the Hooker situation, and just everything fell. You know, the, the wheels fell off the following year, and, and Fuente never really recovered from that. But you know, I, I put this 2020 season up there around that, uh, maybe behind 2017 too, when they when they went nine and four, right, and right. they beat teams they were supposed to and lost everybody they were supposed to. But you know, for a seven and six season, this was a pretty good one. This one was one where you felt like, hey, they they found some things out. They found out their quarterback. They got figured some things out defensively. They ran the ball very well at the end of the year. It feels like this is a program on the upswing again. So. Uh, you know, seven and six record, not the greatest record, but you, you feel a lot of positive momentum for the program more so than you did for a lot of those other seven and six seasons they had. Um, you know, under Fuente. Absolutely. One more, Andy. I wanted to ask you: Were you surprised? Uh, I don't know. If surprise is the right word, but to see Daquan Wright land at Mississippi, I know he wanted a bigger payday at Tech, and that didn't happen. So Mississippi apparently said, "Come on down. That's a good. That's a good landing spot for him, man." It is. I, I guess I'm not. Too surprised just because that's what the transfer portal is these mm-hmm. days. Uh, sometimes you go in and it's all of a sudden, hey, this guy's pretty good. Like he's in the transfer portal, he's available. Sometimes your your stock goes up just because you're in the transfer portal because teams are looking for people. It, it kind of felt like uh, you know what, what the NBA used to be like when, when they were drafting foreign players all the time. Right. Right. Like these, uh, like oh, a Spanish guy is in the draft. Like oh, <laughs> foreign players. Those are the, those are the guys that you have to draft. There was a, a run there where that was kind of the case, and uh, maybe that's what it's like with the transfer portal now. I think Daquan is a good player, SEC player caliber. You know, maybe there's a question there, but Ole Miss uh, certainly thought he was a guy that could come in and fit a need for him, and uh, you know, good for him for going out there and getting that offer and, and getting a, a chance at Ole Miss, a, a chance of place it's a pretty good school uh football wise and you know probably should be a ranked team going into next year but uh you know it's interesting sometimes to see these guys go in the portal all of a sudden they're 
you know, especially if you're an offensive lineman, it's like, man, this guy's a hot commodity and everybody's going after him. It's like this wasn't the case in the recruiting process a couple of years ago. So kind of a wild thing, this portal, that uh, sort of uh, you go in and your name becomes a lot bigger once you go in. What are you going to be uh, looking at? What are you going to be looking at in terms of content for Tech Sideline now as we get ready to uh, you know, head into February here in a couple of weeks? You know, that's a good question. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I wasn't at Tech Sideline at this time last year. This was my first time kind of going through this whole process here. And we've got other people still writing about football before I could sort of pick the scraps <laughs> of football. And now there's other people also doing football. So I kind of have to work with them and figure things out and uh, figure out what I'm going to write. So I, I know at some point I'll write, uh, you know, I do a, a look back on a, the signing class five years later. That's always something I like to do around oh, yeah. the February signing yeah. day, which because yeah. it used to be the only signing day in February. Now it's, there's nothing basically that happens on the February signing day. So uh, I have to find something recruiting wise to do at that point. So I'll do that and, you know, I'll brainstorm here and come up with some uh, other ideas as well. All right. Well, good stuff, man. So glad you're able to get away and have that trip with your fam. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Appreciate you as always. All right. Sounds good. All right, man. Take care. There you go. That's Andy Bitter, lead football writer for Tech Sideline. And uh, good stuff. And uh, thanks for asking the questions. We like to keep those and send them Andy's way when he joins us. Heading into our final segment here in Hour 2. Remind you what's ahead in the Power Hour as we roll along here. And as always, bundle up if you head out and about. It's chilly. We'll be back. Vic at 8.35. More of your text messages coming up. And uh, anything else? Had a very interesting, uh, Danny writes a very interesting uh, question. Because I know uh, you're a big movie guy, Rick. Talk about sports movies a lot. How about, what's the best sports movie sequels? Ooh. Sequels. Well, we got to get into that. Right? I know the peeps will want to talk about that. We'll do that when we come back. You know, we've covered the basketball losses last night. And, you know, we've already done that. I really don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm trying to forget about the Radford Gate, to be honest. Oof. So, yeah, maybe we'll talk about that. Ooh, that's a good. I have to, that'll give me some time to think here during the break. I don't know. That's, 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 that's good. Very good. All right, we'll be back. Hope you're doing great. 
as we motor along here on a Thursday. Hour three coming up.